Come on out of that cold, wet rain and join me on a magical journey in search of the midnight sunrise. There's no need to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just hold on tight. Just hold on tight. Everything's gonna be just fine. It's just so fine. So fine, so fine. We're almost there now. You begin to see it. Squint your little eyes through the clouds. You need some sunglasses. Glorious colors. Hey campers, and welcome to another episode of Trailer Talk with Ryan. I'm Ryan. This isn't my trailer, but I am talking. Uh, today I am actually a guest in my guest trailer, uh, my good friend Curtis Canyon. Canyon? It's not Canyon. That's close. It's Canon. It, <laughs> and that's my middle name, so. that That's your, close is close. your middle name? No, no, Canon Can- is Curtis- my middle name. Curtis Cannon, Canyon Henry. Cannon Henry. Cannon. Curtis Cannon Henry. Did you uh, not know that? It's okay. A lot of people I thought don't. Canyon was your middle name. Cannon is my middle name. Canyon or Cannon? Cannon. See, this is why having a lazy tongue affects this show. Because sometimes this is like... Bleh, but I find it a very redeemable quality about your tongue. Oh. <laughs> Wow, I thought last episode was uh, <laughs> was bad. This one is going crazy. This one's going south quickly. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I, I was going to just like edit all this out and start over, but I think I'm going to keep it. I, okay, well, it's up yeah, to you. We're yeah. just going to roll. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> well, so thank you for allowing me to come to your trailer. Well, this is amazing. Thank you for inviting me. This is great. Yeah, I'm this ex- is wonderful. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, well, let's let's uh, let's talk about your trailer. Sure. Like, uh, this thing is number one. It's ginormous. Uh, how long is this? This is a 38 foot bumper pull, triple slide travel trailer. It's <laughs> got a lot going on. Yeah. So is that 38 feet uh, nose to bumper, or is. is that the floor plan? Okay. 38 feet. Yeah, it's 30. Five foot box, I believe, is what it is. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, it's big. Wow. So we went from a twenty-eight foot camper with no slides uh, to this, and the reason we did that is our three kids uh, were now at a point where they could not really share a bed comfortably anymore. So we went to something that has uh, a bed for each kid. So the back of our camper has uh, three dedicated beds. And it actually has its own couch in the back and its own bathroom in the back. So the kids effectively have their own Sweet. area, yeah. uh, which is really nice. They can We can close them off and put them to bed and still have a you know a life like we do at home. Without kids? Without kids. Occasionally. <laughs> when they're asleep. <clears throat> We're never without kids. You know? <laughs> well, I noticed they also have the, like their own exterior door, too. So do you... They do. Do you worry about them like leaving Esca- in the middle of the night? Escaping... <laughs> Fortunately, they have not done that yet, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah. This is great. I love, you know, you got the island in the kitchen and everything. Yeah, it's big. It's got uh, it's got three slides, so there's one on the campsite that has, uh, the, that houses all the kitchen stuff, and then they have the, we have the one on the non-campsite they call a super slide with the dinette and the chairs in it, uh, and then there's no slides in the front, which is where the master bedroom is, mm. um, so... But yeah, it's really nice to have all the room and uh, everybody can walk around and we're not on top of each other all the time. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, it's good. This we is... love it. It's uh, it's It's been a game changer for the experience that we have when we go places. Oh, I bet. Yeah. It makes it easier. Well, and it's fun to like spend time with family when you're camping, but it's also nice to, like after you have a day full of family time going around and hiking or whatever you're doing to like have your own comfortable space to like recharge and it, it definitely is yeah relax yeah. we uh we did a lot of tent camping as a family mm-hmm. and what we quickly figured out after we got a camper was um we were able to do more things so 
you know, when you're, when you're camping in a tent, you don't sleep great. It's hot. It's cold. Right. You're on the ground or whatever it might be. So you're just more tired. And when you have a nice place to sleep, that's comfortable and it's air conditioned, especially here in Georgia, makes oh, yeah. a big difference. You can, you, you have more energy, you can do more things and you can enjoy the outdoor experiences more because you're not exhausted. Sure. Well, so, it makes it easier on the parents too, because they're usually the ones that are doing the, all the, the lion's share of setting up the tents and yeah, setting up everything. So yeah, this is for sure. Yeah. Much nicer. The other thing that it, it sort of grew into is uh, like a lot of people's experiences. Instead of just using it for camping, we now use it for vacationing. So uh, we, we took our, not this trailer, but the one we had before, we took it to Disney and we stayed at the campground at Disney and we used it as, instead of a hotel, we did Disney, but we stayed at the campground. Oh, okay. And so we've, we've done beach vacations, we've done lots and lots of trips and, you know, we, we use it for vacationing as well as camping. And so it's, it's been really nice for that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, have you done any... I mean, obviously you, you did Disney. Have you done any big, big trips, like long, long distance trips or anything like that? We did. Uh, so two weeks after we bought this camper, we hooked it up and drove out to Colorado and back. We took yeah, two weeks yeah. and we stopped at uh, a lot of places along the way. So we saw some family. We did some sightseeing in Colorado. We uh, saw some more family in Colorado and kind of worked our way, you know, the northern route out to Colorado and the southern route to come back and uh, did it over the course of two weeks. Wow. And that was really awesome. It was a, that was a great trip. Yeah. So you have family in Colorado. Are you, are you from Colorado? I'm actually from here. Okay. In Georgia. Um, my parents are both from St. Louis. So we have family in St. Louis. So we stopped there on the way out. And then my wife has family in Durango and oh. Pueblo. And we have lots of friends in the Boulder area. So we stopped and saw some friends and yeah, did the family thing and did Thanksgiving in, in Pueblo with family, which was awesome. Okay. And uh, made it made it a whole big adventure. Yeah. So it was good. Pueblo, I think that's where those uh, those DVD subscriptions come from. When In Pueblo? the 90s, right? Isn't oh, it? was that Clearinghouse? What was that? Yeah, the uh, Publisher's Clearinghouse. Was that it? No, it was something else. Um, I know what you're talking Columbia about. House. Columbia House. I think that's where all the DVDs came from. Oh. I don't know. I could be wrong. We uh, we mountain biked in uh, Durango one day. We were like driving through. We stopped. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's epic. Yeah, so epic. Big big mountain biking. Yeah, yeah. We um, we drove through a, like a neighborhood and parked in front of this guy's house. He was really nice, but um, and then like the the trail just kind of started off to the side of his house, and it was like this ginormous uh, network of trails. Yeah. There was no signs or anything. It was amazing. They're everywhere out there. <laughs> yes. It's very different than here. They're not they're not necessarily destination locations. They're just there. Yeah. So you just go do it. Yeah. It's crazy. So crazy. Um so do you got uh, anything anything on the books? Any any planned uh, trips for the future? We're working on that. Uh we're working on that. We're trying to get some stuff planned uh now. Um cuz booking things is getting really difficult to do now that everybody is camping and it's it's the it's the hot new thing that everyone's doing so we're trying to we're trying to get some stuff booked now but i know we're going to do something for the kids spring break um we're talking about maybe a beach trip for that which the kids love so we'll do that and then uh do you guys go to florida you will probably go to florida for that. the gulf or uh out on the eastern side i think the gulf side this time right on redneck riviera yeah oh yeah Mm. (laughs) we'll hit up some rv campgrounds yeah come on mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we we also learned the difference between uh a campground and an rv uh, uh site right so where they jam all the oh. rvs in one uh one area an rv park right oh yeah versus a yeah. campground so right. we much prefer the campground but you know when you go down to florida to your point, it's all RV parks where they just jam them all in there. Yeah, isn't it insane? It like, is. Like uh, up at Vogel, uh, if you go just, well, well, I guess it's a, maybe like seven miles because you have to go down the mountain. But you go off the mountain a little bit and then down this uh, other highway, they have a, an RV park, like a commercial one. Right. And they are just slammed in there. 
And I was like, man, like as many as they can get in there. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, you know, if you're going for a destination and you want to, you know, everything's full and you want to get there and it's not like you're going to vacation in the RV park, you know, you're going to go and do the stuff around it. So yeah. you're just coming back there to sleep and yep. get cleaned up, which, you know, it's fine, but man, yeah. I mean, I mean they they are they are making a profit. Absolutely. Getting, you know, 100 sites in there. Yeah. It's crazy. They maximize their Mhm value space value getting yeah. them jammed in there that's why yeah and then that's not our favorite thing to do we have we have you know of course we've done it on trips and stuff but it's not how we prefer to do it yeah well, you do it when you need to yeah well very cool well so uh you are a uh a bike shop entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh-huh mm-hmm. uh-huh yes uh and so we are currently uh co-located right now at your new location we are yes um that's pretty awesome and your new location is where so we we've always been in roswell Mm -hmm. um we were in a a business park called the roswell business center before and we moved into another similar business park called northfield and uh, the new address is uh 1000 northfield court and we're in suite 150 Okay. And uh, we were, were, the business is 10 years old now. The shop is 10 years old, mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not, which I still find a little amazing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and we were in that, that location for five years. Um, and so moving over here is, uh, has been a lot of work and it's been uh, kind of been processed for a long time, but we're excited to, to get it done. And now we're just trying to get settled. Yeah. So it's a lot of work. Well, in this, and this one's, uh, uh, amazing. I mean, the I, I love the what do you call it the the, the front end or whatever the yeah. sales floor. It's a it's like a a, a boutique. Um, uh, well, I'm just losing my words now. Kind of kind of a high, like a uh, like a, a little higher end looking maybe. Yeah, yeah, like a uh, yeah. It's very nice. It feels a little bit more grown up to me. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah right. It feels a little bit more like we've grown up a little bit. Yeah, well and it's it's comfortable too. I mean, you know, you have you have space where the customers can come in and just kind of mingle and sit down and grab some coffee or whatever and just kind of relax without mm-hmm. uh um like your other location, it was like boom, there's the there's the counter, there's the mechanics, you know, it's like it was tight. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is very nice. I, yeah, I we like it. we went from fifteen hundred square feet, really twelve hundred square feet of functional space to thirty six hundred square feet. Wow. So it's a it's a big jump. Yeah. For sure. Well and then you got all the like the warehouse uh back end. I mean that's insane. Yeah, so the the that's, way the that's... the new place is laid out, we have a uh kind of a showroom area in the front. We call that the retail area, even though we're not a real heavy retail shop, but right. All that's in the front, and then the back of it is a warehouse. It's 25-foot ceilings, and it's got nice polished concrete floors, and it's really open, um, and we really like that about it. Yeah. A lot of room to do activities. Activities. Like repairs, bicycle repairs, <laughs> bicycle fitting. That's right. All the things that we do. Keeping Dan busy. Yes. You got to keep Dan busy. Got to keep Dan busy. Dan, right. Dan is awesome. He's, he's definitely one of my favorite people. That's he's, right. He's amazing. He is. He's a he good is. dude. Yes. Uh, so what uh, what got you started in the bicycle industry? That's always a, a interesting story for a lot of people. Sure. Sure, sure. What, uh, what, what's your story? So it's a little bit of a long and windy path, um, but... Uh, well, we only have an hour, so... Get it, get it out quickly. Uh, so long and the short is. Uh, it doesn't have to be like stupid. <laughs> Cut to I the chase, it. man. <laughs> I like bikes. I made a shop. <laughs> We're cool. Uh, so we. Uh, so when when I got out of high school, um, I went immediately into. Did you graduate or did, did graduate. you just leave? Just, because it sounded like when I got like, out. When I just I left. When, when they let me out <laughs> for good behavior. When when I graduated. <laughs> uh i immediately went to school to go learn how to be a car mechanic ah, right on. so I, I did that and then uh after i got done with that school i went to work for mercedes as a, oh, as, wow. a line, as a line tech mercedes. Um, which was a great that'd be cool that'd be a cool experience it was and i i did learn a lot 
but you know when when you're when you're young and you're fresh out of school, Mercedes latches onto you and they send you to school and they train you. So I would be in the dealership for a week and then I would be in New Jersey for a week training because wow. that was where their training facility was. And so I was doing this back and forth for a long time and, um, and then when I got done with all the training, I was in the dealership working um, a lot. And uh, after doing it for a while, I quickly realized that it's very hard on your body. It's hot. It's labor-intensive, dirty work. It's, it's very hard on you. Dirty and, work on the Mercedes? Yeah, you wouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of diesels, you know. They're pretty pretty grimy. Huh. This was back in 90, uh, early 90s. Yeah. So. I just think of, like, whenever I hear Mercedes, I always think of, you know. Fancy, yeah, super fancy. Your like, pink, like pinky held high as you, yeah. drink, as you drink your tea and talk about your Mercedes. Yeah, and like I could, like I imagine the uh, the mechanic air, you know, the mechanic shop being like you know a painted floor and AC and mm-hmm. like nope. big 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 Mercedes emblems on the wall. They did have that, uh, and it was it was very it was either it was very gray and blue were their colors. Everything was gray and blue. Um, it was very hard. Mercedes is a very hard company to work for. They're very German. Oh, yeah. And so you come in at a certain time and you leave at a certain time. And that's the only variant you get. If you're late, you're in a lot of trouble. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what I learned from that. You get das Boot. You get das Boot. <laughs> you get das Reprimanden. <laughs> das Smack of the Peepee. <laughs> Yes, I, 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 uh, I won't say that I was a star employee for Mercedes. I mean, I wasn't the worst, that's for sure. But I definitely wasn't. I wasn't the best. What I, what I learned after doing that for a little while is, uh, I don't work well for other people. I don't really. I'm not. I'm not a tell me what to do and I just go do it over and over again kind of guy. So okay. I, I struggled with that. I struggled with the regimented schedule and the regimented processes and you got to do this a certain way and this is how you do it well i think there's a better way to do that nope nope you need to do it the way we told you you can't vary from that nine 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 Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) exactly um so anyway at the same time that i was doing all of this i was riding i was riding bikes a lot i was doing some kind of uh uh recreational racing and you know, doing a lot of endurance events and things like that. And so when I left, uh, and I don't, I don't normally do this, but I just, one day I just quit. Wow. Just out of the blue. I was like, I, I decided I was done. So I loaded my toolbox in my truck and I was like, I'm done. And so I just took a break and I did, uh, quite a few other things. I worked as a, uh, an apprentice with a plumber, which was cool. And I did some remodeling work. So I learned a lot doing that. Hmm. Um, but again, while all this was going on, I was riding bikes a lot and doing a little bit of recreational racing. And so I decided one day that I would go work at a shop, um, Roswell bikes. I'll be darned. 19, nine, uh, I think it was. Wow. Yeah. So Roswell bikes, um, which is actually ironically where I met Dan. Really? Years ago. Yeah. I worked for Dan. No kidding. Yep. Uh, and so, I was there for a few years and met a lot of friends and we did a lot of bike riding, more bike racing. And I figured out that I really loved the, the work side of it. I loved the, the, uh, a lot of the aspects of being in the bike industry. Um, and so that sort of, uh, grew and morphed and I, I worked at some other shops, uh, bounced around, you know, different shops in the Atlanta area. Um, and then eventually, um, shortly after I met my wife in, we, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, uh, after we got married, um, I went back to school full time for mechanical engineering. And uh-huh. while I was in school for that, I actually started the shop. So I was kind of working for myself and I started out in the garage and, uh, had enough clients that sort of, I had enough part-time work and enough clients that I was able to make some money part-time while I was in school. And, uh, when I got done with school, I decided to open the shop. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a cool story. Windy path, but you know, I got, I got there. Yeah. But I mean, you had a, you know, you started out as a mechanic and ended up as a mechanic. So that, that makes sense. I guess that's true. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. I, I do. I do a lot of wrenching for sure. Sure. So yeah. 
Now, now uh, you did uh, some wrenching for races as well, right? I that, did, yeah. What were uh, what were some of those experiences? Because that's I as a as a former bike mechanic, uh, I always uh, former. <laughs> I think I think you could still do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, nudge, I nudge <laughs> nudge. I um. I really enjoyed uh, doing the the race mechanics for the kids uh, with like the Georgia Cycling Association. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was a blast. Like actually working on the bikes during the races, you know. So it's like super intense, you know. Like yeah. you know, they're running up to you with a like you know a broken chain or something, you know, and you're having to fix it like right there, you know. Um, so I always I I always wanted to go and do that as a as a pro, you know, yeah. race mechanic. Um, what, what, what were you, your experience? Like you, I actually worked with juniors. Okay. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't wrench at any at the pro level, um, pro cyclists. Uh, I wrenched for a lot of the junior teams. So, um, the U S national junior team, which was, a a squad that I, that I, th- at the time, the guy who was running that squad, um, was was uh, based here in Georgia, and so a lot of the races that they would go to, uh, they would bring me with them to go work on their equipment at the races. So we did uh, a lot of stuff around the around the the U.S. a couple different places. But the the big thing that I did, um, I think I went for three three or four years. I went with them to uh, it's called the tour tour of Abitibi, hmm. and um, I don't I guess it's still running. Honestly, I haven't checked. Uh, recently, but uh, it was basically like the Tour de France for juniors. I'll be damned. I know, and it's uh, it's it's I know it's kind of obscure, but um, it's a big race. It happens in uh, French Canada. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the town that it was in, but uh, it was a week long stage race uh, with multiple stages um, in different different directions, but it all centered in uh, French a town in French Canada. So they had time trials, they had um, crit races, and um, you know regular road races and stuff. But they're the 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 area that it's in is famous for mining. Hmm. And so the the reason you said miming mining. Oh mining, like, oh, you got me excited. Miming oh mime. I guess they probably do some miming as well. It is. I just French, I just imagine so. a town of like you know everybody's in a box. Yeah, dressed and, in like the black and white stripes. Yeah, and like everybody's like the mode of transportation <laughs> is like these imaginary ropes. <laughs> imaginary ropes. <laughs> <clears throat> Be magical. I guess they just... could do some of that. No, uh, mining. Okay. All yeah, right. digging holes in the earth, but so boring. Yeah. Oh, but um, <laughs> you got a button for that? <laughs> but um, let's see. I got a. Oh, there you go. Um, so one of the, one of the stages in the race actually starts at the bottom of a mine. And so I think the time trial is how they did it. So they, they bus all the kids down to the bottom of the mine and they have to race out of the mine on this road and then it finishes back in town. So, and it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal. I mean, it's all the, I mean, I was washing all the bikes every night and putting them together and, you know, up until two in the morning, gluing tubulars together. And I mean, there's all the, all the race stuff, you know, yeah. goes along with it. Riding the back of the car, having to pee in the bottle because you can't get out, <laughs> right. to, you know, like, yeah, I, I got to do all that sort of stuff. That's so awesome. And it, and it was definitely intense. I mean, yeah. they take it seriously. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, of so, course. Oh, that's awesome. I, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So I did get to do some of that, some, some race wrenching, Yeah, which is fun. Yeah. You learn a lot too. It. I mean, you, you learn a lot about how to be efficient and oh, okay. how to make repairs hanging out the window of a car while you're going 20 miles an hour down the road. Sure. So, That's yeah, insane. it's fun. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, uh, talking about your shop, um, what was uh, what was some of the reasons for for your move? I I mean, obviously the size of, of the two shops were, yeah. uh, um, you know, this one is just dwarfs your other one. Um, but were there any, any other factors, you know, but just but more than that, I mean, the location didn't change a great deal. Um, 
Yeah, we're we're two miles from where we were before, so yeah. it's not different. Well, we had uh, multiple things. So uh, our lease was up, so okay. that was a big driving factor. Uh, <laughs> and we and we were honestly we were out of space. So in the okay. summertime, when when we were really busy, we were having to to put bikes everywhere, okay. and it was really a very inefficient way to to function. Uh, because we just didn't have room to maneuver bikes around. We had them hanging anywhere we can put them in the office and they were everywhere. Um, so we were out of space and we were out of time essentially on the lease of the space we were in. Um, and the other reason we moved is we're, uh, we're affiliated with a nonprofit called the Kyle Pease foundation. And, uh, the Kyle Pease foundation does, um, inclusive and adaptive, um, uh, racing. So, triathlons, running events, um, mostly, mostly just triathlons and running events. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we take care of all their equipment. So as, as they have grown, we've always been partnered together. Um, and so they were actually located in the space next to us where we were before. So moving into a much bigger space allowed us to move in together so we can have better access to the equipment, um, and just make that whole management process easier for taking care of their equipment and um, all the maintenance stuff they need and repairs and whenever somebody needs to borrow some equipment it's just easy they can come in and we can help them with that as opposed to having to go next door or someone from the foundation coming out to meet them sure just makes it a little easier yeah well and their bikes uh i mean they're yeah their bikes are so so large and and cumbersome to to move around so that that yeah. is definitely nice having the the larger doors and larger space and yeah just makes it so much so much better yeah uh, and we have a we have a unique relationship in that um i do a lot of the design work and a lot of fabrication and a lot of the the specialty adaptions that their bikes get mm-hmm. um we also have a fleet of racing wheelchairs and strollers and jogger joggers um, that are made by other companies, but we do all the maintenance and take care of all those. Yeah. So, well, and I was going to ask you because, um, the last time we were talking about their equipment, you mentioned that you were working with the, the manufacturer or the designer, or you were working mm-hmm. with somebody, um, to get the, uh, the race chairs lower and, uh, like the, 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 uh, the athlete seat, like mm-hmm. lean back or something like that farther. How, how did that, did, have they built that chair yet? Uh, or, or is, or was that, or was that the chair that they raced at Kona uh, or yeah, they, my timeline's a little off. No, it's okay. Well, so <clears throat> the, uh, the, our involvement with the, with them, um, began when I met Kyle and Brent, mm-hmm. I think it was in 2011, I think it was, or 2012. Um, a mutual friend introduced the two of us together. And the, the reason that they kind of put us together is while I was in engineering school, um, I was also doing some side work with a company called Freedom Concepts, which is an adaptive bike company out of Canada. A lot of Canadian connections, actually, <laughs> uh, out of Canada. And I met them through my wife, who's a pediatric physical therapist. So she works with all kids with special needs. Oh, and wonderful. so I was doing evaluations for families when they wanted to get an adaptive bike. I would go meet with them and spec out this bike. We have this, you know, big long five-page evaluation process we do for every kid. So every bike is purpose built. Wow. So I was doing this kind of evaluation side uh, work with the adaptive bike company, um, but I also had a fleet of demo bikes, and one of them was a tandem. So the mutual friend that introduced us, uh, I, I was able to let Kyle and Brent use this tandem we had for their first race, uh, which we affectionately called the ice cream truck. The ice cream? Because it is... The color or? 85 pounds oh, of geez. recreational beach cruiser behemoth. And uh, they did their first half Ironman together on this thing. Wow. And it was horrible. But it was the first time that they'd ever had a bike that they could use to do this together. And so it was kind of that experience that they, they sort of the, the precipice that allowed the rest of it to come out of that. So that where the foundation is now started around Kyle and Brent racing together. Okay. So the, uh, the, 
our relationship just grew together based on that. So once they did their first race, we then built them a little bit better bike. They raised some money and we built them a little bit better bike. And then they raised some more money and now we've got some wheelchairs and they just kept growing and growing and growing. And we've always been paired together because we can kind of help each other. Sure. I mean, that so, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So at this point we have five of these uh, adaptive bikes that are purpose built for triathlon use. Mm-hmm. And when Kyle and Brent were able to were invited to race in Kona in 2018, they did the Hawaiian Ironman in Kona. And so we redesigned one of them to make it lighter, more aero, stronger, faster, better, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, which was that, that experience in and of itself was, I mean, I get chills every time I talk about it. It was just awesome. Yeah. Watching those guys compete out there and finish. They were, so they were amazing. the first. Um, they were the, the first brothers to ever complete that race together. Um, and they were the first, um, push assist duo to finish since, uh, Rick and Dick Hoyt did it. They were the first to finish since then. Wow. There's been several people that have tried groups that have tried, but they were the first to actually do it. That's so amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I love all those stories of all the adaptive, uh, sports and, and whatnot. It's 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 so great i mean it, it gets i mean there's and, and there's more and more of these organizations that are uh being created and, and doing things it's uh it's it's wonderful i mean it's it's amazing what they can do for for so many different people it's been really neat watching that grow so since we've done since Brent and Kyle have started and we sort of took the the freedom concepts tandem that they had and redesigned it as a raceable bike. There's actually been other organizations that have gone to freedom concepts and said, Hey, I saw their bike. I want, I want one. How can I get one? And so based on some of the work that I did now, they're able to go and produce it and other people can do it, which is really cool. We're actually in the process now of doing that for a family in France that ordered one. So we're, we're, Part of it's being built in Canada, and then the other part I'll build here in the shop, and then we'll ship it over to France. That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. God. Yeah. That is so cool. The adaptive stuff has really grown, and and there's more there's more people recognizing it and, and knowing just ha- knowing that it's out there and they can get it, and what freedom it affords them that we take for granted is, yeah. is just really cool to be a part yeah. of it. Well, thank you for doing that. I mean, that's, I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's... I mean, Small, it's, I, all I do is a little bit. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you do. I, I mean, you're, you're very uh, humble, but uh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very. It's thank you. It's really. It's, it, it's really. Uh, it's really gratifying to be a part of that. Yeah. You know, just a small piece of that process. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Big old big old trucks driving by. Yeah, we're the campers behind the shop, and we've got big big trucks coming around here <laughs> um so you were talking about um you know how busy you were this this summer mm-hmm. um and i know of course you know summers are always the busy season uh was that uh influenced uh or increased uh by the the whole covid uh thing this year how you know how did how did covid i've heard covid what what's that oh covid oh it's a uh, thing now it's um it's this new flavor of uh Coca-Cola. It's uh Oh, the pandemic. We'll call it the uh the COVID COVID time. Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> but I mean like everything and like now inventory is well no, inventory is still kind of sold out on a lot of things. Uh but like everything that is remotely related to recreation is sold out this whole year. Well, all last year and still now. Yeah. And and they say all these people died from COVID, but I don't think a lot of people are dying because there's a lot of people out there doing recreational things. It did blow so up. I didn't. I don't see that dip in any of the use. But uh, how, how did COVID affect your business? So initially, uh, and I'll never forget the day Dan and I were were standing in the shop together. Um, and I think, uh, I think it was just Dan and I there that day. Uh, we looked at each other and we both had this look on our faces like, Oh my God, this, this is the end. Well, you know, we're almost 10 years old. We had a good run, you know, I guess we'll just 
sell off what we got and pack it up and go do something else. Uh, And then, you know, we were shut down for a couple of days. Um, But then exactly the opposite happened. We, we, uh, we started doing pickup and delivery uh, because people weren't wanting to come out and uh, that blew up. So every day on the way in, I'd be picking stuff up and dropping it off on the way home and, Dan was doing the same. And then Bart was also bringing, he lives in Marietta. So he was bringing stuff over from that side of town. And yeah, it was, it was, uh, all over the place. So, uh, yeah, we got really, really busy. Um, which was difficult to manage cause we weren't allowing people to come in the shop. Right. Um, and every single bike got washed. Every single bike got sprayed down as it came in. Um, but then as, uh, you know, as, as it progressed and we got a little bit more knowledgeable about the, the symptoms and uh, the sickness that people were having because of it. I think a lot of the craziness sort of relaxed a little bit. Okay. And so, you know, then, then we were able to allow people back in the shop at least a little bit. Uh, for the most part, we were still doing drop off and pick up outside. Um, and uh, yeah, we were, we were crazy, crazy busy. Um, and it, and it did get very hard to get parts uh, towards the end of last year. And to get inventory of bikes, it, it was just impossible. Yeah. Just everything was sold out. All the manufacturers were scrambling to try to build whatever they could. Uh, and really what it, what it, what happened is the manufacturers all sort of planned out their next year worth of sales and whatever they had sold, they sold it all in a matter of three months. So all of their inventory disappeared very quickly Uh, And they were struggling to catch back up again uh, so that they could sort of supply uh, back their their uh, supply of bikes. Uh, And the bikes went quickly and then parts started being affected. So now we were having issues getting repair parts for customers. So all of that went uh, went very quickly uh, as well. So now we're kind of getting a little bit more caught back up again uh, as manufacturers are catching up. But it's just it's just going to take time. Yeah, right on. So, well, and like some of the stories I heard, uh, customers were, customers were coming in to like you know other you know different shops, whatever, and uh, you know they were looking for the, like the seven hundred dollar bike, and they're like, hey, those are all sold out, and they're like, okay, well, how about like a thousand dollar bike? And they're like, oh, they're those are all sold out, and they're like, you know, they just kept on going up, and it's like, well, well, all we have right now is a three thousand dollar bike. So they're like, all right, we'll take two. You know, it's like, exactly. we just, we just need bikes and everything's sold out. Yeah. Uh, at first it was the, uh, department store bikes right. that went quickly. Um, and then after that, it was anything that was not expensive, uh, that, that shops had in stock, um, kids, bikes, hybrids, uh, beach cruisers. I mean, anything, anything three, four or $500 was gone. And then it was yeah, thousand dollar stuff, and then people's <laughs> price point just kept going up. Right. I had we had a couple come in uh, that bought two five thousand dollar electric bikes right at the beginning of the pandemic. Wow! And uh, they were like, "Well, we couldn't find anything else, so we just bought these." <laughs> okay, that sounds great. Sounds great. Where were you guys last year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, a lot of these shops are going to, uh, you know, like uh, spend their money wisely and, like, you know, let this let this COVID money uh, carry them uh, through the, the the future lean years. The 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 industry experts, and I'm using air quotes. Yeah. When I say, a lot of air quotes. Experts. Uh, they a lot of people think this trend's going to continue at not at the same level that it was for the last year, but they, a lot of them say it's going to continue that cycling and outdoor activities will be, will be bigger and more prevalent. Uh, so I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, camping, biking, my favorite things to do. So, yeah. Well, it makes people happier. So you'll, you'll have friendlier people. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, that's, that's, that's all good too. Yeah. Amen. We need more of that. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, so you mentioned uh, you have this um, one employee, Dan, who doesn't do much. Um, <laughs> but Not uh, true. <laughs> no, I know Dan's great. Dan's uh, Dan's amazing. Yeah. Probably, so Dan's been with, the... with me for 
he's been with us for th- almost three years now. Um, and Dan's worked at worked at a lot of shops in the Atlanta area as well. He's been doing it for a long time. A long time. He is extremely knowledgeable. So old. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no just... Your words, not mine. <laughs> Uh, he'll get me later. Dan, Dan is awesome. Um, yes. and he, he can, he fixes anything and everything. He does a lot of stuff that I don't do shocks and he builds wheels and he's just, he's, um, he's awesome. Um, and then I have Bart, uh, that has been with us for eight years. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Bart's been with the shop for a long time and oh. Bart is awesome. He does a lot of stuff. Uh, all of our website, all of our social media, um, graphic stuff, bike washing, answers the phones, <laughs> right. wrenching. Yeah, I mean, sure. he does everything. So now I know uh, the story how like you know uh, you and Dan uh, came along. How how did uh, how did you already know Bart uh, before he started working with you? So that was another connection my wife had. Um, so Bart's wife also is a pediatric physical therapist and they worked at the oh. same company. And so Bart and I became friends through other events. We, uh, we volunteered together at a bunch of different, uh, events that were fundraisers for another nonprofit that we used to kind of, um, uh, do some events with. And so Bart and I became friends and started mountain biking together and it slowly morphed into a working relationship yeah. with the shop. So. That's cool. He's at this point a very integral piece of what we do. Yeah. Because he, he does a lot of stuff that we're relying on that is easy for him to do, but would be impossible for me to do. Mm-hmm. So, and I've, one of the things I've learned over the years is to let people do the things that you're not good at doing. Sure. Like we have a bookkeeper, um, Wayne, who's also awesome. And uh, so that was like relinquish that piece which has been helpful. Yeah. Well, and, and that's got to be hard to do. I mean, as a small business owner, I mean, this is your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, you, you know, you're not some big giant corporation that has the different departments. I mean, the, you know, it's all you. Yep. So if this, you know, if this fails, it's because of you. So you have to like control it all. But yeah, that that's a huge uh, step to, to be able to delegate the, the different pieces out. Yeah. Yeah. And I know improves I'm, your quality of life too. It does. And it frees me up to do a lot of other things. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily look at it like I'm delegating or whatever. I just look at it as, okay. So I, I started this thing, right. And it's cool and it's my baby, but I have all these people now that are supporting it and are also part of it. Sure. So much like I'm not real good at working for other people. Right. I would like to think that it's really easy for people to work with me because I'm very, just let people do what they're good at. Let people work, do their strengths and just let them do and try to guide it, you know, a, a little bit as, as I can, but sure. Yeah. You know, we're not a, we're not a corporate environment by any means. Right. right. So we're all, I, I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but I like to think of us as a team where everybody does their thing and we kind of all do it together. Right. And those guys take ownership in, in the business now. Yeah. And they treat it like their own, and I think it's really cool. Yeah. That's it's, great. We have good people. Yeah, you sure. do. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so have, so as a, in, you know, and not, you know, not specifically your shop, but like uh, as a bike shop owner, uh, what are some of the, the struggles that, you know, that you have encountered or you've seen uh, others have possibly? Ugh, uh, corporate stuff. When I say mm. that, I mean like having, having to start a, start a company and keeping up with paying the sales tax and all the business management stuff. Um, I mean, we moved, but I haven't told the city of Roswell yet. Maybe I should do that at some point. I well, guess. well, if they listen to this, then they'll know. Maybe they'll know. But I doubt they listen. We've moved. <laughs> City of Roswell. Uh, no, I, I was. Please raise your right hand. <laughs> <laughs> I solemnly swear. Uh, we. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that was very intimidating about starting my own business was that side of it. Um, was forming the corporation and managing that, and what does that entail, and how do we do the taxes, and mm. so all of those pieces. But we've got we've got people that help us with that and that have made that easier. So, good. Again, finding the people that can help you do 
those aspects that you're not good at or don't want to do or really can't do, have no knowledge in, find people that can help you. And that's that's kind of what we did to, to overcome that part of it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we're we're a, we're a service-focused shop. Mm-hmm. And what that means is uh, we, we're flipped upside down a little bit. So most bike shops are a retail shop that sells bikes and bike stuff. And then they have a service department. So we kind of did it the other way. So we're a service department that happens to sell bikes and accessories and that sort of thing. Uh, we, the, our rule on the things that we sell is it can't have an expiration date and it can't come in a size run. Bikes are the exception to that. But, uh, so we don't sell clothing or nutrition or helmets and anything like that, that requires a large investment in a bunch of inventory. Um, we just decided not to invest in that and have it sit on the floor. So we just do it the other way around. So we do the service side first and then the retail sort of supports that. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, it's worked. I mean, your reputation for high quality services is, is well known. So Good. yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's what we were hoping for. That's yeah. what we're trying for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, you know, well, especially now, uh, with, uh, more people out there riding bikes and, and doing fun recreational stuff. I'm sure people are thinking uh, more about getting into the business. Um, do you have any advice for people thinking about starting a, a bike shop? Oh, <laughs> don't do it. Uh, I used to say that the best way to make a million dollars in the bike industry is to start with two. Mm-hmm. And it, and you know, it used to be true. The retail side was, was hard. Um, but I think over the years, so, so we've always been a service based shop, right? And I've, and, but retail has changed a lot since we started. So now you have all these direct to consumer bike companies and bike brands uh, so I think a lot of shops are now going the direction that we've always been, which is the service side and having partner affiliate brands that you can sell their product, but you don't have to stock their product. Sure. Um, I think we're a good, a good mix of both. So we've yeah. partnered with the brands we partnered with are, they are some direct consumer to consumer brands, but they also have a dealer network side and they're really good about supporting us as well as doing direct to consumer. So, um, yeah. Advice for starting a shop. Are you thinking about it? Oh God, no, 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 no. Tiffany and I, we had this, you know, because, you know, both of us were, you know, well, she's, she's technically still in the business. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we were both in, obviously that's how we met and that's how I met you through her. Um, and, 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 you know, we've had that conversation like multiple times and we've had like, you know, we did the, um, you know, the, the manufacturer rep yes. business, you know, together, yep. you, you know, it was, it was her business. And then I just drove, uh, her around. Um, and then so we, you were, you were in the chauffeur business. I was, I was in the chauffeur business. Nice. Yes. And then later I was in the, uh, bike demo setup business so oh, that's i was actually a, i was actually like a pro i was a pro bike mechanic on the demo circuit <laughs> <laughs> the demo bike scene yeah yeah that's big yeah that's she would hardcore. buy me uh gas station hot dogs and i would wow. set up the demos wow that's it was it was lucrative that's a good life it's mm-hmm. a good mm-hmm. place to be mm-hmm. uh as many toppings as i wanted wow mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It was it was great. Wow, that's um, fancy. Yeah, but no, we you know we had that uh, the the you know that little guide business that for a little while. But um, we talked about you know the bike shop, you know doing something, and it, it was always like just like a hard no. Um, well, and you, you know how much work it is. Yeah, and and I see like like you and like well, and plus you know we 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 traveled like twelve states talking to nothing but bike shop owners mm-hmm. um and you know very few and i i can't really recall any of them like came like bouncing down the sales floor happy to see us or happy that the day was long or anything you know it was like hey how you doing i was like oh man you know 
this right. is going on and this is going on and you know why are you guys even here you what know do you want? yeah how much time are you gonna suck up yeah and it's like wow yeah <laughs> you own this place yeah god you want to buy it and it's like god no what you're, you're like, selling it hard yeah, man like, god this looks awesome I do not sir thank you um so the closest we came to um even you know having a bike shop was opening a um and I'm going to butcher it because I can't remember the exact thing. But we were going to open up a rock store up near our property in Tennessee. And so we were going to have rocks and um, like knickknack souvenirs and stuff. And we we're going to be open like two days a week. And we were going to rent bicycles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So we we're going to be open like two days a week for like an hour and a half each day. Wow. Yeah. So that was the closest. Real time commitment there. Yeah. 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 You put in, put a lot into that yeah oh no yeah no absolutely 100 percent. i was 110 percent in yeah for this yeah. hour and a half yeah i mean that's a three hour week that's a lot yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> so uh before we go i um so i found out some interesting news lately uh so in addition to your um uh, your amazing contributions to the cycling world. Um, you also had some contributions to the music world as a uh, as a drummer mm-hmm. um, and a, as a member of. I love this name too. Uh, uh, as a member of the band Midnight, I should say Midnight Sunrise. That's it. That that's is. It. I think that's one of the best band names ever you think so midnight sunrise we didn't go anywhere really it was uh yes uh yeah per our earlier conversation the 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 guy that started the band the the lead uh he was somewhat artsy and uh that's the you know the the title was a a working title that he'd been working on for a while so that was that was the the name that that stuck uh but yeah we we were uh and I forget how all the connections came together because the lots of weed maybe. No, they weren't really weed. <laughs> maybe no. some lewds. <laughs> it wasn't really that kind of connection. <laughs> uh, no, it was uh, when I was in high school. Uh, I played I played drums in the high school band, uh, which morphed into a drum kit, nice. which I loved, uh, and I still miss playing a lot. Uh, I'd love. Well, you got the space now. You should got, get a I kit. Should. Should we build? We should really build neat. out a little, uh, like you know, music area back there. That'd be and that, awesome. that is actually one thing I would really like to uh, instill in my kids a little bit more is to to get into music. Some um, right now they're into sports. Uh, they do a lot of soccer and basketball. They're six, eight, and ten. So we're, oh wow, little stair steps. Yeah, we're uh, we're busy with all of their stuff, and sure. they're all back in school right now. Oh God, good, yeah. which is great. Um, but anyway, I, I would I would love to kind of instill a little bit more of that in it. And actually, my uh, my dad's brother is a musician, and all so your kids uncle, play. my uncle, yes, that guy, that same guy, same guy. They all play every every instrument: piano, drums, bass. Oh wow! Are all great singers on that side of the family. Oh, so I got. I mean, it's probably where I got it from a little bit, but sure. Um, anyway. Yeah, in high school we uh, met these guys and we formed this band and we uh, we actually recorded a demo. It's it's on a it's on a cassette. I'd love tape. to hear that sometime. Oh man, it sounds so awful. But it was it. Was, I mean, you should we should have it as like the intro music to this episode. Oh, there you go. That would be that would be epic. Wow. Or the outro music, which means I'd have to go whatever. find one of those cassettes. Do you have a way to play a cassette tape? I don't think anybody does anymore. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, oh, I don't know. Cause it's. I mean, I ha- I have some copies of the demo we made, and it's like it's, but it's on a cassette tape. So anyway, we, yeah, we uh, we played a bunch of you know little shows. We played at some coffee houses and and stuff like that, and then uh, we got an opportunity to play um, at the Roxy. What? Which was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's uh, yeah, big time. they used to do during the week. Uh, the Roxy would put together these. They called them uh, like a six six pack or something. Or 
they had five or six bands that would come out, um, like local bands, and you know they they you'd get thirty minutes of stage time, and so That's we great. went out and played a set at the Roxy and. Uh, so was how was that? Was that people. just like it was awesome? Was just like nervous? Were you... it, it was a little intimidating. Yeah, because the Roxy is a famous. There's famous musicians that I mean, it's it's a legit place. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, we also played at the Masquerade. I forgot about that. The Masquerade. Wow. Was, they did the same thing where they would bring in like you know four or five little local bands and yeah. you know you get thirty minutes of stage time and. Um, so we played those two places, which was actually really cool. That is very cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Now, what kind of music? What what were you? What, what, what so genre? We sounded a lot like uh, Sister Hazel or um, like kind of acoustic acoustic rock. Okay. Um, Need to breathe. Uh, what are some other bands that are sort of acoustic rock kind of kind of sound? I'm not good at yeah. Anyway, I, I can't pull that out. Yeah. So Neil we, Diamond. I mean, I guess he does play an acoustic. So. <laughs> Sounded a lot like Neil Diamond. <laughs> With the heavy drums. With the heavy drums. Heavy drums. So can you still like just like rip on the drums? I, I haven't done it in a while, but I, I do on occasion whenever I get a chance to. Yeah. Yeah. That is so awesome. Yeah. I I mean, I miss it a lot. It was it was a great stress reliever because you could... I can imagine. Yeah. You know, I'd put on a set of headphones and pop in a CD and I'd just go jam out for an hour and... You can get those uh those quiet ones, those electric ones. I could, yeah. That's what you can do. But the you know, or is that not the, the same? purest in me needs okay. acoustic. I mean, it's kind of like I get it. You know, a regular bike versus an acoustic bike. No, or I, electric I, bike. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. Right yeah, on. I like the purest in me has. They have to be loud and sure wake the neighbors up. Yeah. My parents. So my parents awesome. loved it growing up. Yeah. Yeah. When I would go play for hours, they would just love it. It was so great. Oh. <laughs> I didn't catch <laughs> They would leave. Song. They would leave. <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to say, that's rare. That's that's rare that the parents actually enjoyed oh, it. <laughs> I can't imagine. Now, ha- you know, being a parent and having kids, you know, I can't even imagine what my parents, you know, how they endured hours of drumming from the basement. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably like a lot of gin. I bet it was. <laughs> it was gin and then camels non-filtered. They, they weren't they weren't really big drinkers that I knew of, but maybe they did. Whatever all that was going well, on. Well, that's why it was gin. Yeah. <laughs> There's no smell. Hide it, yeah. <laughs> My parents are awesome, very patient, amazing people. Yeah. I I put them through a lot, I'm sure. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, very cool. Well, Thank you so much again. Yes, thank for you for having me out here. Um, again, so people can find you. Where are you located? And uh... so we are uh, Canon Cyclery, mm-hmm. which is my middle name. A lot of people ask that question. Uh, Canon Cyclery. We're we're located in the Northfield Business Park uh, in Roswell. We're at Old Roswell Road and Westside Parkway, um, kind of kind of near North Point Mall and on the other side of the of the highway there. Um, yes. And, uh, phone number, uh, phone number at the shop, six, seven, eight, nine, five, one, nine, three, oh, seven. Sweet. And it is Canon dot bike is our website. Oh, Facebook, Instagram, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> all that we're Canon cyclery everywhere. Um, find us, follow us, keep up with all the stuff we do. Um, Absolutely. thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, it's my, my pleasure. I was excited. Yeah. Absolutely. This is great. You have to come up to Vogel. We'll uh, go check that out. Oh yeah. We'll bring maybe we'll bring the whole family up there and we can do a family podcast. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. The kids will That'd be a out. fun uh that'd be a fun experience. <laughs> Get yeah. all the kids chiming in. That'd oh, yeah. be great. Well, very cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh if you guys uh both of you guys listening have any questions, comments, uh, you told whatever. me there was four people listening. Wow. Oh. Um, yes, no, that's right. Yes, four people. Oh, four, my okay. my listenership is up to four people. Nice, and it's worth your time to be here. Yes. Nice. Yes. Sorry about that. Um, uh, you can email me at, or if you just want to chat, you know, if you're up late at night and you're just lonely, you can email um, trailer talk with Ryan at gmail dot com. And until next time, keep on camping, campers. Thank you.
Supporting a loved one through a crisis can feel overwhelming, but responders at the Veterans Crisis Line can help. Contact them at 1-800-273-8255 and press option 1. Or you can text them at 838-255 or chat online at their website, veteranscrisisline.net. If you don't talk, no one will listen.